0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Oklahoma Life again. This is uh, Brandon Hines, and I'm with Miss Vanessa Hines. Hey, y'all. And we are going over part two of our uh, baby story, uh, the origin of the twins, I think. Uh, We left off on the last episode, uh, kind of running straight through a little bit longer than we anticipated, talking about uh, the issues that we had, whether it be... Um, you know, the actual breastfeeding or getting doctors to listen, all that kind of pieces and parts. So now we're going to jump into the babies have finished out their second round of tongue and lip ties, and they now are starting to thrive. They've really, you know, understood how to feed properly, and they're eating properly, and they go from third-world babies to first-world babies in, in a matter of a month or so. They put up uh, a lot of weight really quickly. So things get a little bit more interesting at that point because um, right about the same time, they start getting mobile.
1: Oh, yeah. 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 Oh. Oh. I never even put that together.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yeah. So that was at seven months that we had them corrected the second time. Yeah, correct. Re-revised. And they started crawling at eight months. Wow.
0: Yeah. That's
1: really crazy. And I remember... When we had to get their second round of vaccinations, the doctor oh, yeah. put put it off a little bit because they
0: were so malnourished. They, the time. yeah, yep.
1: they didn't. She's like, she said, "I I don't feel comfortable doing shots right now because I don't feel like there's enough muscle."
0: There wasn't enough muscle, and their immune systems probably weren't where they needed to be as well. Probably, yeah. So, um what's really interesting is that, like, I was thinking about this a little while ago of how the babies must have felt about it they don't know about you know superheroes and things like that but when like somebody starts to to go from like normal to superhero Mm -hmm. they probably had that entire sensation because they just became incredibly strong in in a matter of a month that's like you know if i was to start working out which i don't because i'm awesome like that (laughs) um if i was to really start working out or something and gain 40 pounds of muscle you know because i mean statistically yeah. it's about the same yeah. you know in in like you know 30 days it'd be insane like it'd be yeah. ridiculous jacked and that's really what happened so yeah. um you know our babies became you know normal to superhero strength and in, in no time at all oh, so they're
1: little superheroes they are
0: so they start getting mobile and we are now at this time living in the other house over there um in arkansas away from the family and uh Pretty quickly, uh, they they start to figure themselves out. You can really watch them grow and figure things mm-hmm. out, you know, and watching twins interact is even more crazy. It's so. just
1: the sweetest thing. It's so special and it's not something I, I'm afraid that people have taken offense when I've said this before. It's really just not something that you can understand if unless you, you have twins, <laughs> yeah. or unless you know twins very closely, yeah, or unless you are a twin
0: yeah and and it's not to sound rude, but realistically, they progress at different rates, um, you know, they have other you know well,
1: sort of, but I mean, they're doing everything so close together anyway, right, that you know it's it's really cool to see it happening together, yeah. And to see them, you know, kind of feeding off of each other. Something's attacking her face. uh, Yeah, I think we have mosquitoes in our house. You said you saw one. Fantastic, yeah.
0: So, moving on from mosquitoes. So, we spend a little bit of time, um, you know, just making sure babies are are well kept and well taken care of. And um, throughout this time, about the next year or so um we are i'm i'm focusing on work spending a whole lot of time doing my thing while at the same time making sure babies are well taken care of and you're well taken care of um and you know we we go through the major milestones you know they go from uh sitting up to standing up and you know walking and crawling and all that kind of stuff to starting to get speech patterns rolling um and all of those things are absolutely nuts in themselves like you know, I'm I'm sure people have had kids understand how quickly that progresses, mm-hmm. but for us, for first timers, at the time, you know, watching these transitions, like I would go to work at you know one day, I come back the next and it was like okay, all this new stuff happened. I'm like shit, I'm, yeah, you know. And then like two days later, like all this new stuff happened. I'm like
1: what? Yeah,
0: <laughs> you know. So well,
1: and you know, I think that it happens. It feels like it happens quicker with twins because in general life feels faster paced the more kids you add and so (laughs) (laughs) we just got a jump start on that with twins and so we've you know we've never really known anything different yeah and uh it's but it's really cool it's really cool to see them you know kind of learning from each other and right
0: so i'm gonna i'm gonna jump into the uh I'm gonna say the first scariest moment we had as parents. Do you remember? Um, we were changing a diaper or something. They were on the bed, um, and the first oh. time a baby fell off the bed,
1: we were just—I think we were just playing.
0: No, and no, she was she was up on the bed, and she fell off when she hit the shoe.
1: Yeah, but I think she was on my lap.
0: Oh, so is that she what happened? Was,
1: they were both on my lap, and they were so squirmy. Yeah. And Holding two babies, you right. know, you that only are, have are one mobile. hand that, yeah. that are mobile and squirmy. She just went <laughs> right off the bed.
0: So I remember the conversation, the, the phone call, and like you were absolutely sobbing. Um, you were like, <laughs> I'm yeah, sure. yeah. like what <laughs> yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. you weren't home? Yeah.
0: No, I wasn't home. Um, I came home um and you had told me what happened the first time i was there for the second time a baby fell off the bed um but the first time the baby fell off the bed
1: were blue and bucky there somebody was there
0: i think blue and bucky I think were blue there and Bucky were there yeah the first time it happened yeah um and then like the second time it happened is actually the shoe time that's right um Oof, i don't know i yeah. think
1: they were there for the shoe time
0: yeah, so uh for babies anybody out there surfaces, listening who don't, <laughs> who don't have kids yet, uh you're going to drop your babies by accident hopefully. Uh they're going to fall off of things. They're going like today actually, so we have a, you know, 8-month-old right now um who has figured out how to climb up onto the uh, footrest like individual little ottoman thing. Um and, you know, I I walk into the playroom where we have one uh, and she turns around to look at me and falls off the ottoman. And I'm like, damn it, kid. <laughs> like,
1: yeah, she's she's figuring yeah. out how to climb up, but she's not yeah. quite she doesn't quite understand yet how yeah. to climb down.
0: Or move. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs>
0: um, so we'll get back to her in just a bit. But uh, Emmy and Lizzie, um, you know, at this point are about um, a little bit over a year old. Um, and then we start making that decision. Or I say we. I mean, you start making that decision <laughs> that we're gonna have another baby.
1: Oh, that was the a long time before that that I still wanted. More oh yeah kids. yeah yeah.
0: Like we we weren't even. I think birth with the first one. You're like, okay, so we have another
1: one. Yeah, yeah, and you just have you just with them. You just kept saying. Let's get through this first, let's right? Get through this let's, first. let's let's breathe a second. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Let's get through this pregnancy first, and then talk later. <laughs> and so
0: finally, you're like, "Can we talk?"
1: Yeah. <laughs> so then, sure. They were they were 18 months before before we actually started pulling the trigger. We started, yeah. yeah, before we pulled the trigger, right? Right at 18 months, right? And i ovulated a few days after that
0: <laughs> once again we tracked yep knew exactly what was going on yep and
1: i well oh i had gotten the plan insert in my arm mm. the birth control yeah that was so we had to have that right or nine
0: months in yeah yeah
1: so we i had put that in you know right after so
0: by the way anybody that has had birth control put in the arm that is weird <laughs>
1: Yeah. like yeah.
0: it's literally a piece of plastic with chemical put into a vein right that's no, how this works it's
1: just put into your like
0: fatty tissue
1: it's like right under the fat i think it's like between the muscle and yeah. the fat
0: so i think caitlin had that as well yeah yeah um, so I, we've known several people that have done it but me as a guy not having to do that i think every bit of it because that is the damnedest thing that needle is fucking massive yeah
1: i didn't look like at the needle it was like on purpose
0: <laughs> and i'm trying to remember needle gauges but i think it was like a 16 gauge or something it was fucking big dude yeah i know like you pierce your ears with like a 20 or a 22 and i think they put that in with like a 16 or something
1: yeah i don't know it was pretty big um yeah I didn't
0: want to look. <laughs> yeah, no. It, yeah. Like I looked, I was like, Jesus! Like you're using that. <laughs> um. So we, uh, yeah. So you get your birth control in, and then we decide to have babies. Yeah, because to we pull were, it out. we yeah. were,
1: yeah, we were originally going to wait yeah. until the girls, the twins, were three or four. And on is good for three years. So I thought, okay, well, we'll just do that, and yeah, then we'll I have it removed. Then. And then, <laughs> and then we can start trying after that, and it'll be fine. Well, then, no, what happened was the girls were a little over a year, and I started babysitting a five-year-old. Yeah. And... And there
0: was a gap in in time. Yeah. Yes.
1: And so then I realized how much of a difference there was, because, I mean, we'd never had kids before. How much of a difference there was between five and one. And I thought, oh, I don't want to have twin five-year-olds that are in this stage and have a baby. Yeah, I just want to have them all together and get it all done and over with and have them all be fairly close in age and stage. And it'll be worth it when they're adults.
0: Yes. <laughs> when they're adults, it'll be worth it. I keep reminding myself yes. of that.
1: Yep. Uh, me too. And so then, I don't know. I think that's what maybe convinced you. And yeah. so then I had my next on removed And then it took a couple months for my cycle and stuff to regulate. Right. The girls turned 18 months. A few days later, we got pregnant, but we didn't know it yet. And then... So, we'll we'll
0: slow that back down. So, (gasps) just like the first one. I know. You just like to fly.
1: I'm just like speeding along. You're just like, yeah, (laughs) things happened. Reign me in.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. So, you started tracking once again. Um, and it was very much a, you know, okay, well, my ovulation is on this date, so we need to do this, this, and this. Um, all right, so we're going to have to have sex on the 13th. Is that cool? And I'm like, it's like, I don't know, like the first, I'm like, sure. All right. <laughs> like now we're scheduling it. Is that how this works? <laughs> um, so, you know, uh, we, we go with time and you find out, uh, you know, okay, everything's good, whatever. And you start tracking once again.
1: Right. Yeah, and I actually it's funny because I actually felt myself ovulate that time. I think I had a couple of times up to that, but I mean with the twins and our first pregnancy, I didn't ever feel it. And that time I felt it and I thought, Oh, I wonder if something's gonna happen. You know, I gotta oh no, I gotta wait nine days to find out. Yeah.
0: So in this time frame, and it'll become clearly relevant in a in a bit, we had a uh Situation with my job start to come up where I had a, a support manager come into my restaurant um, and started diddling the crew. Oh, oh there's a baby waking there's a up. Baby, I gotta go. So I'll start telling that story, and then uh, if okay. we need to, I'll make a uh, pause break and we'll jump back in. Um, if you can't hear it in the background, we're using a baby monitor uh, to listen into our entire setup because, uh, yeah, that's that's how you adult. You get babies to sleep, and then you get to do things. So the uh, the basic scenario was that, you know, I had a restaurant that uh, operated pretty well, um, and we had a support manager come in because he was going to be opening up the next location. And as he came in, you know, seemed like an all right guy, what have you. A few red flags got thrown really, really quickly. The first one, um, before he even made it into the restaurant, you know, he transferred one of his people Up And was like, oh, yeah, hey, by the way, this guy's going to be starting the next couple of days. And it's like, the fuck? Like, dude, you don't even work here yet. And you're you're staffing the restaurant from people that you are bringing with you, which is weird because he's moving out of um, Texas. So you're moving, you know, seven or eight hours and you're bringing somebody with you that is, you know, at a crew level um, is is first red flag. Um, And there's other pieces and parts as to why that happened. Um, so he comes in and, uh, you know, really, really charismatic guy, very, very handsy um, guy that hugs everybody and, and gets really close to people. So um, a few red flags start to fly and, uh, you know, I kind of ignore it, start to uh, get stories about what's happening. You know, oh, this guy is doing this. This guy is doing this. Um, ignore it for a little while. Then a, a co-manager of different restaurant calls and said, hey, by the way, you know, I, I I've heard through my crew and everybody else. Um, you know, that they're Snapchatting, you know, friends and this, that, and the other, that, uh, your, your co-manager over there is, is having sex with one of your crew members. And all you can say is, God damn it. So I spent a little bit of time trying to relay that stuff up. Um, and the nicest way to say it is that I don't think the area directors that uh, I worked for took it seriously. Um, we went through multiple area directors in a very, very short time frame. And it kind of got pushed like, oh, that's not really my problem as long as I don't really make a big deal out of it. That becomes somebody else's problem because I'm just here temporarily. And then the next temporary guy and the next temporary guy and the next temporary guy kind of thing. So, you know, it kind of goes back and forth. And, you know, I keep, you know, and I realize now I suck at playing politics in restaurants because I have an expectation. You know, I expect any kind of the issue like this to be handled properly. And this just wasn't handled properly. Um, so, you know, things go down and, uh, the long story short, because I wasn't as good at playing the game, um, I end up, you know, basically getting let go because of it. Um, and you know, we can do that story a whole different time. So at this point, Vanessa's probably three or four months pregnant. Um, I I don't even think she was three months pregnant yet. And she'll obviously probably come back and, and give us the uh, full rundown on that. And, uh, you know, I'm now without a job and I kind of go into panic mode. I'm like, holy shit. Like, what do I do? You know, I've got this house. We moved away from family. It's not, you know, as easy to find a job out here in Northwest Arkansas because Walmart runs the everything and they don't pay what they need to pay for starting out and things like that. Um, you know, it's, it's some of the craziest stuff. So we start really contemplating, do we move back home or do I try to find a job here and run with it? So, uh, we contemplated putting the house up for sale, which had only been uh, two years or so in in house, and uh, we find out that if we were to sell, we're going to have to most likely, you know, pocket out five thousand dollars, something like that, um, which is just absolutely insane. You know, the equity that you put in doesn't really matter because when you pay six percent out to your realtor you pretty much make nothing. You know, even whenever we did sell, eventually, you know, we were $20,000 over the top of what we owed and we walked out with 500 bucks. So um, that kind of gives you the idea. So looking at like, do we move home and do we just eat the five grand or, you know, what do we do? Um, Luckily, I got hooked up with uh, some guys out of another restaurant chain. And I say chain, there's two of them. It's a franchise. Um, Some great guys that uh, I'm still, you know, pretty good friends with. And, uh, you know, they, they basically made me a really, really solid offer to come in and, uh, you know, run it as more of a kitchen manager than a GM, which is what I traditionally had been doing at that point. So we decided, you know what, that that'll work. We'll stick around. We'll do it. So we stuck around and, uh, you know, I got hired on and went to training. And at that point we ended up going to Colorado, uh, for the training. So it was seven or so weeks that we went to Colorado, And, uh, you know, the owners that that we were, you know, getting into with, they uh, were like, well, you know, we can get you a hotel up there, buy it, or we can do a VRBO and you can take the family. Like, okay, yeah, well, let's do that. So the VRBO um, is basically a vacation rental property is what it is. Um, And if you rent it for like a month or two or whatever, the prices are significantly cheaper. Um, You know, if you think about a hotel, you know, you're talking about, you Know a hundred dollars a night at, at bare minimum anywhere you go in the middle of Denver, you know, near this, this old Chicago that the company I was working with. Um, you were talking about, you know, a significant amount more. You know, it was a lot. So, you know, you could either pay five to six thousand dollars to go for a month, um, or I think this VRBO was only like I think it was like thirty five hundred or four thousand for. The entire seven weeks, which is insane because it was a brand new condo, three story, um, technically uh four story if you want to count everything. So it was garage on the bottom. First level was kitchen and uh, living room. Um, so so garage up one and then up one more was bedrooms. Up one more was an upper balcony that had a view of the mountains and all the good stuff. So it was a beautiful spot. So we get in and we go out to Colorado and we take the entire family and basically live in Colorado for seven weeks as I'm doing my training. And, uh, you know, it's pretty awesome that they set us up for that. Um, and at this time, you know, we're starting to show we're, we're a couple months into the pregnancy. Um, this was back in, I want to say, June through July, basically, or not through July. It was into the beginning of July. So all of June and the beginning of July. Um, and Evie was born in November. So whatever the math is on that, we were probably four months pregnant, something like that. Uh, and we had a great time, you know, uh, the, the training setup went through pretty quickly without too much issue. Um, you know, this was a fully furnished, you know, giant house that we, or condo that we got to stay in, um, got to go out and explore the mountains. And Vanessa was absolutely on board to just live out there forever. She was like, we should move here. And I'm like, Denver's insane. Uh, so Denver, for once again, anybody that doesn't know, used to be really, really lower end, um, for the last few years leading up to the legalization of pot. And I say lower end to, uh, rent and things. It wasn't crazy expensive It was a giant city, you know, and just like any giant city, you know, most of the land is, uh, you know, pretty expensive, but the houses are, you know, pretty decently cheap to rent, things like that. And then I think when legalization of pot hit, um, people went nuts because it was like, you know, anywhere you went, you're talking three to four thousand dollars a month, and it was like San Diego pricing. Like I have to have seven roommates to make this happen, um, which wasn't uncommon. You know, the GM, one of the GMs that uh, I'd spoken with out there at a different company, um, he's making like a hundred and thirty thousand dollars a year, still had to have a roommate. I was like, the fuck, man, you really have to have a roommate. And he was like, yeah, man, I can barely pay it without it. You are insane, you know. But he had a nice truck and he had some other things. So, you know, there, there's obviously costs associated, but damn so we go through and we spend that uh decent amount of time hanging out in uh denver and going through all of our training and having a you know pretty solid experience there and uh once we complete we we head back down to uh, oklahoma and uh, you know i actually rode the motorcycle up and that's one thing i think uh you know definitely i'll say i'm, I'm not a huge fan of i love riding the motorcycle don't get me wrong you know we've got a, a couple different vehicles the motorcycle is one more for just fun than anything else. And when we rode it all the way up to, uh, to Denver from, from, uh, Arkansas, um, that was a long, hard butt ride. I tell you what, um, so either I need to get a backrest or I need to get a better seat. I don't know. So we, uh, we ride back, um, uh, Vanessa drives back. I take the motorcycle back and, you know, we kind of start right around the 4th of July. Um, and in this time frame, you know, we're kind of re-acclimating to this new restaurant, um, you know, and a few different things begin to take place at about that time. Um, so one of them um, that, you know, I'll wait for Vanessa to get back to get into the details because she'll know the story much better than I. Uh is, you know, her grandmother starts to begin to have some slight health issues. A few years prior, she, um, you know, had breast cancer, had to have a a mastectomy and things like that. Um, And she began starting to have some some other issues. So at this point, I'm going to pause. And uh, whenever she comes back, we'll jump straight back into the story. So for you all, it won't take very long. On our end, we're putting a baby back to sleep, which, once again, takes pretty much every night, all night. Um, so I'll be back in just a moment. It's gonna sound a little awkward, but oh hey. We didn't even get into the break. I was really just about to go into break. Fantastic. So, um Wait, why would you go to a break? Because I was gonna you
1: need me here to tell the story.
0: Yeah, so I was just talking about how we were heading back from uh Colorado. Okay. And uh once we actually got back, um, is really when your grandmother started to have the first inklings of her, her struggle, is that she started to have um, basically, a flu-like symptom um, was right about that time, if I remember properly. So it would have been, uh, you know, July into August around your birthday, um, and the baby's birthday is where she was sick because I don't think she made it out to that baby's birthday in Arkansas, the twins' birthday. Um, hi, welcome back. So <laughs> Hello. <laughs> How's she doing up there? By the way,
1: she's not asleep. Locking awake again? Oh no!
0: Hold on. Yep, she's awake. Uh, so I'm going to go ahead and take that break, guys, and we'll uh, jump back on that in just a minute. So uh, thanks for holding. And welcome back from that short break. I hope it didn't take too long for everybody. But uh, back to where we were. So grandmother uh, had started to get sick a little bit. Um, and prior leading up to that, she had some issues uh, with adult mastectomy and things like that. So she had cancer already. Um, we didn't really get to the base of it, though. A lot of it most likely stemmed from secondhand smoke. Because she quit smoking, like, in the late oh, 80s, I mean, early 90s or oh, something, no, right? Oh, no, no,
1: no, I th- way before that. Was it? Yeah, she had quit smoking, I don't know, she was fairly young. Because she was about 40 in the 80s when we were born. Okay. And so she had quit before then. Okay. I, I'm not, I don't really remember, to be honest. Well, you weren't there, obviously. Yeah, uh, yeah, But exactly. your, your
0: grandfather kept smoking into um basically uh, the mid 90s right
1: oh no into the 2000s okay he passed away in 2005
0: yeah and he smoked pretty much all the way to he the he
1: smoked very very close to the end so she i remember that she had a cold that she had a hard time kicking like she kept getting right. a cold and so she had had a chest x-ray and there was a spot on her lung that they weren't really concerned about but they said you know come back in 6 months we want to we just want to check things out again
0: right and so and that she, was uh, approximately
1: that was probably in the winter okay so then so she like went 2017,
0: back 17 early 2018
1: yes Okay. early 2018 probably yeah. so anyway she went back for this you know 6 month follow up and they said that spot's still there, but there's another spot, and we're not concerned about that first spot still. This second spot, we don't really like the way it looks, so we want to do some more testing. So they did more testing, you know, cat scan, right? Maybe an MRI too. I can't, I can't remember all the things that they did, but they did further testing, and they came back with. It being small non non small cell lung cancer,
0: right? Which is just generalized lung cancer at that point.
1: Well, yeah, there are a lot of different kinds. So, uh, she, they said, you know, you can we can try to do radiation and things like that. At your age, it you know she was seventy three. No. She was born in forty three. I'm feeling like a real bad granddaughter right now because I can't remember years.
0: That would make it seventy six.
1: Uh, so, she was seventy six. She would have been seventy five at the time, I guess. Sure. So anyway, um, she she said, "No, you know, let's just go. Let's just take it out. That was an option. Right. And with her breast cancer, she had had the option to do, you know, radiations and stuff." Or do a lumpectomy where they just remove the actual problem areas or to do a mastectomy. And so she went ahead and did the mastectomy. Right. And that took care of the problem seemingly, you know, at least the breast cancer. Her other breast never developed cancer. And so she went in for the partial lung removal. Just the upper lobe was what the plan was. But when they got there, it had—I sp- don't know if it had spread since then, or what. It was a very fast-moving cancer, yeah. And so he said that it looked like it had just kind of grown legs and taken root further down.
0: I was going to say because it got into her hips and it got into her ribs and got. That into- was later, yeah.
1: So they remove the lung, and they do testing, and they said that it wasn't in her lymph nodes, so I'm not really sure where the ball got dropped. Sure. A ball got dropped somewhere as far as follow-up treatment. It's my understanding from other people that have had cancer in the past that they have to continually go for testing and have their numbers checked every so often
0: and this was um, about april right when she had no
1: this was august this was right before it. so we actually had the girl's birthday party fairly early in august so that she would be able to go that's right yeah. and then she had the the surgery the following week right and okay. then we yeah. came we the girls and i came down but when she was coming home
0: yeah because you basically so i was still working in arkansas at the time and you Came back over to the Tulsa area um, and basically lived with her. Um, right, for about to, two weeks. Yeah. Just to help, you know, transition back to whatever kind of semblance of normalcy she could have with twins and a pregnant right. <laughs> granddaughter all in yeah. the same. Bi- and
1: one lung. <laughs> yeah.
0: I mean, like, there's there's not really a whole lot of normalcy at that point, but she needed assistance with basic things because, she, right. you know, she just and lost just the ability daily. to breathe properly. Yeah. And, and just daily stuff. Yeah.
1: And everybody else works. Yeah.
0: So, whenever that kind of thing is happening, um, you know, to kind of put it into perspective for a lot of people, you know, when you're young and you can breathe okay, you know, it's not that big of an issue, but this was the equivalent of, like, sitting on your grandmother's chest. Um, Right. You know, it's going to cause not just the, the basic level breathing issues, but... You know, you have like almost a hyperventilation concept where, you know, she is having a lot more anxiety and she never had anxiety yeah, before. Yeah. And so I remember she her talking having, about
1: that. Yeah. So she started having a lot of anxiety and it was interesting. She had said about she had mentioned once about how she sort of understood how my mom my mom has really bad
0: anxiety, anxiety,
1: yeah. just generalized anxiety in addition to her bipolar disorder and uh my grandmother had said i couldn't live like this i wouldn't live like this if i I was like this all the time if i couldn't get get it down i wouldn't live like this i don't know how you live like this vicky right And And, and that's
0: kind of a semblance to you don't know until you experience it right
1: yeah for sure
0: because i mean she went you know, 76 years without ever having that issue. Yeah, and then, which is so
1: crazy to me because I have anxiety right. and I can't imagine, you know, like, just never having that experience.
0: Right, well, I mean, I don't have anxiety, so, like, I think I know, but, you know, I probably don't.
1: No, you don't because
0: we've... <laughs> <Thanks>. well,
1: <laughs> Well, I don't know if you remember recently... I mentioned something or maybe it was when you were having an interview or something and I asked you about being nervous and you were like, well, I mean, maybe a little bit, not really.
0: Yeah, I don't get nervous really. Yeah, Yeah,
1: and and I do. And I mean, you know, I sometimes get that anxious feeling just, I mean, just every day, just daily without anything happening. And so it's just wild to me that you don't even get nervous for interviews, you know. Well, I mean.
0: And that, I think, is is kind of the basis back to the uh, grandmother situation is that now, you know, she's experiencing these new things and it's, you know, I'm sure painful as part of it as well. Because when you can't breathe properly, I'm sure that's a huge, huge aspect of it. Well,
1: and so what normally happens in a patient that has had a lung removal is the heart moves over. So right. everything that, yeah. yeah, so everything moves over to allow the other lung to expand more. And that that can take about a year. I mean, you know, especially depending on the patient's age and things like that. And since she was older, you know, I mean, really the cards were kind of stacked against her. Yeah, yeah. And so she never had a follow-up with an oncologist. Yeah. I think she had one scheduled, but she was under the impression that she didn't need to go because she had had the <laughs> lung removed. Sure. And then she had talked to and seen her primary care doctor, but from what I understand, no one ever said anything about following up with yeah. her.
0: And you know, there there's also that certain level of you know, and I don't want to say stubbornness in a mean way.
1: Um, oh, she was very stubborn. Yeah, you know,
0: <laughs> and you know in her mind she's like i will be better it's fine right you know and like okay so they remove the lung so all of the the cancer's got to be gone so like i'm good right you know and unfortunately that that's very rarely the case when it comes to like cancer and things right
1: well and and my mother my grandmother was also very very religious and true you know to a to a point where i think she felt like anything could be prayed for and fixed which isn't always the case. Right,
0: Doctors are there for a reason still. Right. They can be wrong. Right. But it's still helpful.
1: Right. Exactly. So months go on. She's never really seeing any improvement. And, well, a couple of weeks go by, actually. I, right. guess. I was going to so say, it first, wasn't very yeah, long. Yeah. So the first couple of weeks go by, and... She's not seeing any improvement, and so she finally, we talked her into, I guess, going to the hospital. Right? She didn't, you know, she's very stubborn and not wanting to go, and can't even remember what it was that we convinced her finally.
0: It was breathing, basically. She was having trouble breathing.
1: No, you know what it was? I think it was that her O2 sats, her oxygen saturation in her blood, had gotten to a point where it was low enough and not coming up. But that was what finally convinced her to go. Okay.
0: I didn't know what convinced her, but yeah, the issue I think was it was, was back that. To breathing. Yeah. There.
1: So it was just that she wasn't getting enough oxygen into her blood. And so she went back to the hospital and then she ended up going to. So, and then the girls and I all came home because I mean, I can't do anything in the hospital. You now, know? this is and approximately she wanted,
0: what July, August? No, this, this is, this is September. September. Yeah. This okay. is the
1: beginning of September. So then. And she had decided that she wanted to go. She found out after she got home that she could have gone to a skilled nursing center.
0: Right. Which is not quite a nursing home. It's the dif- in
1: a nursing home.
0: Right. But the difference is that they are, are like constantly working with you to try yeah. and improve things. Whereas a nursing home is more of a you do you and we'll here, be here to help. Right. Well, Generally speaking. Eh,
1: kind of. Yeah, it's definitely more of an. It's an acute care center, so like they're trying to get you better to get out. Yeah, they're not trying to keep you. You know, there's not a long term there. Yeah, it's it's just short term. So she went there after the hospital, and I think maybe it helped a little bit, but she never really got better. Right, and a couple more months go by.
0: It wasn't a couple more though, because you know Evie was born in November.
1: Yeah, she. So a couple months go by. Yeah. And then Evie is born, and it broke her heart because she had come to our home when I had the twins, when we had the twins, and she stayed for you know a week here and there, you know, take care of things. Yeah. Yeah. And she would come and stay for a couple days. I mean, she just she just came down a lot. She was a very a frequent visitor yes <laughs> and she just it just hurt her so much to not be able to be there and yeah. help but she came down we had evie on a wednesday and then we got out on thanksgiving
0: right because and... she was born november 21st and thanksgiving was like the 24th or something no that the time. 22nd 22nd
1: she was born the day before thanksgiving okay yeah, yeah so
0: Damn Thanksgiving movie.
1: <laughs> Yeah, so
0: <laughs> it's always on a Thursday and choose born Wednesday. I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I can't math, guys.
1: Yeah, and our sweet doctor in Arkansas came in on Thanksgiving. I don't mm. even think oh, he was on call. So
0: let's <laughs> jump into that. So we actually were planning on doing what's called a V bag. Yes. Um, which is yeah, vaginal, vaginal birth after vir- cesarean.
1: Virginal? Is that what you said? No, no. Oh, okay. <laughs>
0: Uh, a virgin like, birth, nope. we we're going to have, uh, can I call you Mary? Um, so, yeah, it's it's a birth after cesarean, basically, is a right. normal standard style. And um you were gung-ho with, like, I'm going to do it that way. Because something we forgot to talk about is whenever we had the C-section the first time, oh, you had yeah. the um, the hematoma, hematoma happen mm-hmm. upon, basically, your C-section line area. Um, yeah. I think it was a little and bit And it developed a couple up. months later. Yeah. And or it
1: showed up a couple months later.
0: Right. Yeah. And so a hematoma is basically a pooling of blood inside your system that's not um, being reabsorbed or anything. And it happened because how the surgery was done, it wasn't improperly done, but the doctor had this new technique that he learned about. And people told him, you know, hey, this is a better way to do it. So he did it with two patients, and they both got hematomas. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's like not doing that again.
1: Yeah, it was really interesting when we talked about it um yeah I guess it was after.
0: Yeah. And well we were talking about said, it leading up to it. Yeah. Yeah.
1: And so he said, Well, I actually changed the my process because you and one other patient of mine both developed hematomas and so I Yeah, it was you like, know, he was like that was a bad decision. Yeah. Yeah. So he started stitching people up like more. Like right. I guess I guess when layer differently. Yeah. When there's a certain level layer of fat like people that are um bigger have more fat and so you have to be stitched up differently like the more layers you have I guess. Sure. And so he said that he just does does it that way on all of his patients now. Right. Because he didn't want to risk that again. Yeah.
0: So we uh we go into for a uh back and you know there's a
1: non-medicated v-back
0: yeah because that was smart um (laughs) it could have been
1: it could have been fine
0: uh but so we go back and forth with it and um eventually the idea is like okay well you know are we going because anybody's scariest point of like when is too soon to go to the hospital right because you know they're like oh you gotta wait till the you know setups are what two minutes apart or you got to do this or there's all these different signs when you're pregnant to go to the hospital um and we were within those so we finally go and uh you know they they start doing the basic layout for you which i'll let you jump into if you remember (sighs) if you don't i'll jump into it more
1: okay so we originally went on monday night sure because i had called i'd taken a bath to see if i could get everything down and I couldn't. And so finally I call and I'm telling her what's going on. And she says, yeah, you know, you should probably come in. Well, yeah. they have to tell you that. <laughs> right, right. They can't be like, no, nah, you're good. Yeah. And so, happen. And then something happens. You know, it's all liability. So anyway, we go with the twins because it's nighttime. It's, yeah. it's what, 9 o'clock, I think. It was pretty late. It yeah. was later
0: than that. It was and like so, 11 o'clock, yeah.
1: Yeah, so we go with the twins because it was too late to get anybody called out to yeah. Arkansas. Right. They tried two hours for me, wouldn't yeah. you? <laughs> and they I don't know, I don't even remember really what happened, but basically I was not in active labor. And it was going right. to be way too long. And so they sent us home.
0: Right. So what happened is we showed up and they started checking and you weren't dilated. You were mm-hmm. in active labor, mm-hmm. but you weren't dilated enough. Yeah. So we go back home and then we go back home for a few hours yep. and then we come right back later on. I Well, I woke up. Yeah. You started having pain basically. Well,
1: yeah. I can't remember exactly what woke me up. I yeah. guess it was the pain. Yeah. No, I felt a little gush. A little gush. Oh, you
0: thought your water broke, yeah. Yeah,
1: and so I got up and I started walking to the bathroom and then I had a bigger gush. Right. And then, so then I woke you up and I said, okay, yeah. we really do have to go now. Sorry you didn't sleep last you night, know. let's go. Yeah, yeah, sorry, you know, it was all for nothing. <laughs> yeah.
0: So we get up and uh, we go into the hospital and this is like, um, not quite.
1: It's around 8.30 in the morning. Yeah,
0: it wasn't quite uh, like, you know, middle of the morning yet it was still pretty early for us yeah and we get in there no one else was awake yet yeah so we get the babies in and they're still in pajamas and luckily mm-hmm. they stayed in pajamas for an extra day yeah. um don't judge um, <laughs> and from there you know they start checking you out and going through the entire thing and the repetitive issue is you had you were having contractions that were super close t- together well
1: no we're not there yet okay so i wasn't really progressing and since I my water had broken around eight and eight, eight eight, eight thirty in the morning, they, you know, they don't want you to go too long with that. And so my doctor wanted to start me on Pitocin to help speed things along. I was kind of resistant. I really I wanted to start with the cervadil to help expand my cervix, but I don't know. I guess he didn't feel he felt like that might there might be some contamination issues with my water already breaking and all of that. So they didn't want to go that route. And so we started the Pitocin a few hours later than he had originally wanted to because he was giving me more time. But I walked that floor probably a thousand times doing laps around the whole floor and it didn't really move me along any further. So then they started the Pitocin and that started moving my contractions closer over time. So that's when my contractions started. Just they were close together and I wasn't dilating. I never got past a loose one. And you've got to be 10 centimeters to have a baby. So uh, midnight rolls around. You know, we're 30 hours into labor at this point because it's basically like having a first labor. That's how a lot of VBACs are. Not all VBACs, but a lot of VBACs are like a first labor. And I hadn't, you know, my contractions were progressing. I had actually two or three hours before that gotten an epidural because the pain got so, so bad. And I tried a couple of other pain medicate or one other pain medication and it did nothing. I mean, it was it was crying pain and And that was because my contractions were stacking on top of each other, but I wasn't dilating. So I think it was really my body just saying like, hey, something is wrong. You know, (laughs) I don't think it was necessarily normal pain. I think it was my body trying to tell us that something was wrong. And so it just took a couple hours for that to all get figured out. And he came in and he really studied all of the printouts and really studied what was happening with me. And he finally said, you know, I really am going to recommend that we do a C-section.
0: Right, And this is like 3 o'clock in the morning.
1: No, this is like 12.30 in the morning.
0: It was pretty late. It, I mean, she
1: was born at one thirty.
0: Sure. <laughs> so maybe just felt longer.
1: Yeah. <laughs> so took about an hour for everything to get prepped and for me to be in there and have her. And so, you know, I mean, my poor sweet doctor, <laughs> right. he was, he was a really great guy. He was actually a Navy doctor, um, you know, a long time ago. And so I really felt very well taken care of by him. And he really had our best interest and the baby's best interest and she was starting to decel. That was the problem. That was another problem. You know, I was having these contractions stacking up and not dilating and she was starting to have deceleration in her heart rate and so just all of those things combined, they said, you know, it's it's time to go. So we go for the C-section. You know, I'm having all these mixed emotions. I know it's the right thing to do at this point, but it's also really sad because I really wanted to have the natural birth and that's not where things went. So they get in there and they get her out and um you know I think she cried sooner than the twins maybe. I can't remember, but you know those first few seconds are always just like Right.
0: You're so just on gripping. that one it was the same kind of thing <laughs> is that I end up going with the baby back to the other. This time it wasn't the uh, NICU. We were just in some No, um, this
1: time you went to the NICU. She like went to the NICU so she was not breathing well enough and they i was actually really surprised that they let me hold her at all because they whisked her away like i mean they they tried the mask and they tried a couple different things to get her breathing well enough and they weren't able to get her breathing well enough so they let me hold her i mean i asked you know if i could hold right. her and they they said yeah you know sure and they let me hold her for however long and then you guys went off to the NICU and you were there for about 45 minutes.
0: We weren't actually in the NICU though. Whenever we went there is that there was an offshoot room. That's what I was going to say. Um so basically in this little side room it had two beds in it um and it had like the heat lamp or whatever you want to call it where we were checking everything mm-hmm. and that's where um, you know, they did the nose plunging and they did, you know, pretty much everything. I recorded those two videos in yeah. the side room. Um, and, you know, she started to cry pretty quickly and all the other stuff that went with it was good. Um, you know, so it was actually after that point um, when they started checking um, her oxygen levels, is after we actually had already left the room. And it was maybe, you know, 10 minutes into it or something where they were like, well, you know her lips are a little bluer than we'd mm-hmm. like, and you know this is where we're at with this, and this is where we're at with this. Um, so when we actually ended up going to the NICU it was after that point, it was after we had already been because the plan was originally to just do the whole little cleanup, weighing, and all that kind of stuff, and go on. Mm-hmm. And then we the decision was made after that fact. So mm-hmm. you know once we actually made it from that room, then we went on into the little NIC- NICU setup. Um, you know, and that was only for for just minimal time frame while they were, you know, checking oxygen and giving her oxygen and things like that. Um, but, you know, once all that was done, then we came back in the room where you were at and you were basically out. Um, because,
1: well, I thought you guys were going to be gone a long time.
0: Yeah. So you kind of passed they out. They didn't there.
1: really, you know, they didn't, I mean, they didn't know how long you guys would be gone. Right. And so I, I was very, I was struggling very hard emotionally. Sure. You know, because I just, you know, my little perfect angel baby was gone and not with me. Well,
0: that and then on top of that, you would literally just spend the last 30 hours in pain. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. yeah. I was so. very,
1: very drained for so many reasons. Right. Physically, and emotionally, all of it. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, nobody had any, any information. And then I think I sent, well, and I didn't have anybody with me. Right, Because you were gone. Your mom and ended up being with you. Or no, somebody Amy had... was Amy was in our postpartum room. And so I asked the nurse, you know, hey, can you go get Amy? Because Amy had come down from Tulsa. Right. And Caitlin had been there. But then we sent her home because we didn't know what was going on. Yeah. And she had to work in the morning.
0: Yeah, my dad had the girls. And yeah, we your dad had the girls. It's with well, our house, yeah.
1: Yeah, at the house. And then... So I you know had the nurse go get Amy, you know she didn't know what was going on yet and so then I had somebody there with me to cry right, with. Right, calm me down. <laughs> yeah, and to help, you know, be be a rock. And then you actually you actually got back pretty, pretty quickly, quickly yeah. after she got in the room, which was really surprising cuz you know I kind of thought it was going to be a long time.
0: So, once we got um, through that entire episode, you know, this time you didn't require blood. No. Um, this time you were pretty much up and moving pretty quickly. And yeah, we it was a very out, different
1: experience. Yeah, on,
0: on time on that
1: one. Yeah, we were out just right after, you know, she had her 24-hour checkup. Yeah. He came in in the morning and said, okay, are you ready to go home? And I said, really? <laughs> yeah,
0: like, all right, cool, thanks.
1: I said, I didn't think I'd be home for Thanksgiving. We could have made right. plans. <laughs> so then
0: we we get back and load up and then head back over to our house.
1: Well, I think we should also hit that breastfeeding this baby was yeah. easy peasy lemon yeah, squeezy. Like Baby's ready rock. I mean, she's just a natural from birth. Yeah. And also we need to tell all the people about what Emmy said when they came in the room. I don't remember. Oh my gosh. I have the sweetest video, and I'll try to find it and upload it in the comments on our Facebook page. But she came in, and she said, oh, baby Evie, I missed you. Oh, yeah, that's right.
0: Uh, I'm just going to cry thinking about it.
1: (laughs) And so the girls were still occasionally nursing at the time, so I let them nurse together with Evie because nursing can be a really good bonding experience for siblings. It was for the girls. (laughs) And... So we did that, and it was really interesting to see the difference between a non-tied baby and a baby that had been tied. You know, there was a visible difference in the way that they nursed.
0: Right, and time frame and everything else. So um, we get back, and, you know, obviously it's Thanksgiving Day, um, you know, and...
1: I have the sweetest husband and we, father-in-law. We didn't
0: plan for Thanksgiving in <laughs> any way, shape, or form. But we got back pretty early in the day, something like 11.30 or noon or something. Yeah. Um, so I go back and, and drop her off with Dad and all that. And then I run to Walmart and buy everything to make a full Thanksgiving dinner. And, I and make, my prescriptions.
1: <laughs> yeah, prescriptions. Because you had to go to Rogers turkeys, for that. You had to yeah. drive 20 minutes to get my prescriptions yeah. because it was Thanksgiving and yeah. only one pharmacy in the area was open. Right.
0: So we drove all the way out and we did everything. And we had this giant Thanksgiving dinner for like four people plus the babies. Mm-hmm. No one. It was me, you, dad, yeah. and the twins. Yeah. yeah. And, you know, it was like, you know, I got the smallest turkey I could find, which was still like 13 or 14 pounds mm-hmm. or something. Um, and then all the fixings and everything else. So we all spent. All of my
1: recipes I typically make, they yeah, made. Yeah. I made Because everything. they're the sweetest guys.
0: So you're making, you know, giant corn casseroles that feeds 12 for three people. Um so we we make the entire um Thanksgiving dinner with a new baby at home um and at that point um you know we we've got about 10 minutes left for what for what we can cover here so um I'm going to fast forward a little bit to
1: Well I think Kara and Chance, Chance yeah came brought over, over some stuff they did that day. Yeah yeah after they did their family did. stuff.
0: So we we had our Thanksgiving and it was a, a pretty fantastic little event. Um, but then grandma started to downturn even more. And I'd like to finish up on that. Note. Yeah.
1: So she didn't get to come down the day that Evie was born. She came down the following Saturday. So two or three days later. And, you know, she she oh she just loved that baby. She loved all the babies. And um, then, I don't know, within a few weeks or so.
0: All right, my turn. Yeah.
1: (laughs) Okay. Within a few weeks, she started to have more problems. She was having a lot of pain by then in her hip and her shoulder, and she went back into the hospital, and then she went back into a skilled nursing facility, and then she went back to the hospital. And they discovered that she had cancer in her bones and in her liver. And so it had just spread. And it was very fast-moving cancer. And that was that was January, I believe, when we found that out. And um, she was in the hospital for a bit. And then they came in and they wanted to talk about palliative care and by this time the girls and i had come down to you know i had gotten a call from my aunt karen and we were talking and i said you know do i need to come down is that where we are and she said yes and so the girls and i came down and you know i went to the hospital every day i took the girls up once a day for a little while and then i went up I had someone come and stay with the girl so that I could go up with just Evie because, you know, she's breastfed baby. She goes everywhere with me <laughs> still. <laughs> and we, I spent every minute that I could with her and they came in and they talked about palliative care and grandma wanted to go to a hospice home. Um, for those of you who don't know, palliative care is not always, but generally end-of-life care. And they did make sure to frame it that way. You know, everything had just gotten so far uh, spread in her whole body that there just wasn't really a turning point, you know. And she was very ready for that. She was very tired. The last six months had been very draining on her in so many ways. And she, she, you know, wanted us to be okay with that and and we were I mean you know I I didn't want her to suffer you know you don't want your loved ones to suffer you don't want to watch them feeling terrible and so she moved to Claire House here in Tulsa which is a fantastic facility they are only run on donations so if you feel like there's something that you need to donate to Claire House is a great resource for patients and for their families and so she went there and um they they took really great care of her she i feel like she was able to you know pass away with with a lot of dignity and there was a lot of support for us as well and they really you know were good to talk to to keep us in the loop of what was happening there's a natural progression of death and it's very and it's all very fairly typical. You know, it kind of happens the same way for most people. It's very very hard to be a part of. Um the the waiting was really hard for for me because she was waiting to die and felt like it couldn't come fast enough because she was so tired and she was so done and you know, how do you, you can't speed it along. It's a natural process. You know, it's a natural part of life and, and you're just waiting it out. Um, but they, they told us when it was coming close and then I got a call one morning from my aunt Karen that it was time and they didn't think that she would make it through the morning. And I I think it was around, I don't know, it was around three or something. I had just gone to sleep about 30 minutes before that because I couldn't sleep because of everything that was happening. And so I, I can't remember what I did with my kids. I must have had somebody staying with me that night because I was able to go without the girls. I, I think my mom must have been there. I, I can't even remember now. And... So I left. I took Evie because, you know, I, she's my attachment. And I, I was able to be there with her when she passed, which I'm glad for. Um, you know, I was, I was very afraid that she would feel alone when she died. And my dad and my aunt and I were all three there. And so I hope that she didn't feel that way because I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to be alone when I die. And I hope that by having all these kids I won't be. <laughs> um, I don't know if this is where we were supposed to be heading. Brandon is upstairs with a baby right now <laughs> and I probably shouldn't even keep talking about all this but um, that's that's probably our you know our our last big milestone that's that's this year um, not milestone but you know just, our last big talking point and he's back
0: for a moment it's your turn
1: i've kept talking
0: perfect so uh did we where did we finish out there
1: um grandma passed away Mm -hmm. yeah and I said that's probably about the last big Oh, Right when I was walking point. in. Perfect. Yes.
0: So uh, just to catch everybody up, the uh, babies are waking up in the middle of the night. And this is when we have to podcast. So um, <laughs> I usually take care of the twins. She's got the little babies. It just works out really well. Um, so they woke up and are looking for you now so at that point we are going to end this episode and moving forward from here um you know we're we're not really too sure of what we're gonna do so if you have any ideas feel free to drop us a line let us know um but we're gonna go ahead and sign off so uh once again if you feel uh you know the need or the uh ability to go out and help us out on uh, our patreon.com slash oklahomelife it's super appreciated um, otherwise, you know, thank you very much for listening and, uh, you know, we hope you guys have a, uh, a great day. Uh, once again, I'm Brandon Hines.
1: Vanessa Hines. Thanks y'all.
0: And, uh, have yourselves a uh, good day.